Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome, presented by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, UFC London is here, and I'll spend some time talking about some of the biggest names on the card, guys like Patty the Batty and Dan Hooker. 
Plus, is Kamara Usman really going to box Canelo Alvarez? And will Dustin Poirier ever fight Colby Covington? I'll answer those questions later, but let's begin by picking up from a story we left off on Wednesday. Ilya Tapora is now known as hand sanitizer. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you get the reference? So, Ilya is who got into the dust-up with Patty, the baddie. Patty took a hand sanitizer, threw it at Ilya. Now, Ilya's there with his whole team. That team did not serve as a bunch of thugs that then went and jumped Patty, the baddie. They got their guy out of there. Diffused the whole situation. They deserve credit for that. I mean, that's the way you handle yourself. This team, this, this is a good team, right? This isn't a team of thugs. It's exactly what Clayton Hires would have done to me. Exactly. So, this dude's a badass. Mr. Hand Sanitizer is a straight-up hammer. I went and looked him up, and this does change my opinion, guys. It changed my opinion from Patty the Batty being a jerk, misbehaving, and being immature, to all of a sudden I realized who he was standing up to. This guy's undefeated. Mr. Hand Sanitizer never lost a fight. 11-0, came through brave, has been in the UFC. I went and looked at his record of all 11 fights. You'd be stunned how many he got out of there in the very first round. I think he's only won one decision. The rest of me finished everybody at some point, but a lot of them in the first round. Some with submissions, some with strikes. I'm just sharing with you, this is a rough dude. Like, this guy's a bad dude that Patty has some kind of a beef with, and for some reason, it lessens Patty's bad behavior with me. I don't know what that is from a psychological standpoint, possibly even a character flaw. But when I found out who it was, it changed it. It was the same thing with Masvidal, guys. When Masvidal gave a three-piece and a soda to Leon, which is illegal, it's against... But Masvidal was outnumbered, and that's Leon. Leon hadn't, won, hadn't lost a fight in three and a half years at that point. Leon now, same Leon, hadn't lost a fight in five years. Like, that's a rough dude on home turf with his boys. It's very different for whatever reason, but it's very different. So now I'm looking at this going, okay, I don't think they can make that fight. When you have any kind of a dust-up, and there was more to it. There wasn't just the throwing of the hand sanitizer that hit Mr. Sanitizer in his head. There was also a punch thrown at Patty. See, if we didn't have the punch, we're having a totally different conversation. That's what changes it from a, squir a squirmish, an event, to an attempt at assault, right? It's very different. Because I don't feel that the UFC can ever reward that. And when I look at what a tough guy Patty chose to take on, all of a sudden I do want to see that match. But now I can't. It's very unlikely that I do. But I'm just bringing you guys the rest of the story. So Patty the Batty now has decided that he's going to nickname this gentleman Mr. Hand Sanitizer. Said, I never think about him. Said, he's going to get beat this weekend. He's going to go back down a weight class. So where does this go? And a bigger question is... Do we need guys like Patty? Do we need Conor McGregor's? Do we need Michael Bisping's? Do we need Colby Covington's? Yeah. Yeah, we do. The sport is sure a lot more fun when you have these different kinds of characters involved. It is. It does make it interesting. It does move things forward. Mr. Hand Sanitizer is a straight-up killer. I didn't even know he existed, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I should have known about this guy, but you get this beautiful record of 11-0, not to mention he's like me. He came from a Greco-Roman background. Like, that's the kind of guy I'm going to get behind him back up. But there's so many athletes like that. 556 under contract right now. 
So many different contests coming up. 11 per week. 44 fights a month. We used to get that in a year. It's hard to keep track. And yes, when you do have these different personalities, when you have some guys that think this is about honor and respect and my father says, and you have other guys that go, man, I don't know anything about the martial arts. This is a straight up cage fight. And then when you get guys that got, got to be able to call it, flip the switch. You deal with the nicest guy in the world, Randy Couture, by example. Nicest guy in the world. But the second that Vaseline goes on, that's the switch. Get in the cage and you become somebody else. But some guys have a hard time turning that off. I don't think that Patty is the kind of jerk that would throw hand sanitizer at a group of guys. I don't think. But when you start to get into to mode, fight week's a very different week. Weigh-in day is a different day. Fight day is a complete, right? You, you've got two or three, four versions of yourself. you got to know when to turn it on, when to turn it off. There is a message here to younger fighters because this is one of these things that was an unfortunate event, but we all celebrate it for some reason because it entertained us, because we found it compelling. So we're the suckers that are going to continue to fall for this, thus encouraging that behavior. But you got to be really careful, guys. If you think you're getting a step ahead, that you're going to get your buddy to turn his iPhone on, you're going to document something and slip it out through social media later, you got to be real careful because you're not going to get those fights. The UFC is not rewarding those things. And I made this point a couple of days ago. I made this point and I compared it specifically to Leon and Jorge, three-piece in a soda that the whole reason we never got that fight is because that incident happened. And we would thus inadvertently be rewarding bad behavior. So you got to make sure that you understand that because I had some of you push back in the comment section of which I tell you, I read every single one of them and you said that isn't true, Chael. Look at what Connor did with Khabib. Not only was it a crime, it was treated as a crime, evident of the fact that Connor left in handcuffs and was booked. And I would only remind you one thing that you're not quite following the timeline. That fight was already going to happen. This was one of the events that came along. And yes, it was wrong. But it is very different for you to make believe that because that incident happened, they went on and had the biggest fight in MMA history. No. That was all part of the process. You might remember back in boxing days, but Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis. It was as heated as could be. Every time those guys were in the same room together, somebody was getting punched. Somebody. It could be a cornerman, it could be a trainer, it could be the guy holding the camera, the mic for somebody was getting punched. The commission didn't know what to do, they stepped in, but that blood didn't start to boil over until after bout agreements were signed. It's very different, we're splitting hairs. But I do want this to be a learning moment. I don't want some of you guys to sit back and go, okay, here's all I gotta do, is go act like a fool, find something, throw it at a guy and get my buddy to record it. It doesn't work that way. And these guys aren't gonna get rewarded either. They're not gonna find themselves in there with one another. So go ahead and enjoy the show. I did too. I don't want to. I don't want to be compelled by something like that. But the truth is, I was. Turned out Mr. Hand Sanitizer's got a new nickname, but he's also got one hell of a beautiful record. Maybe down the road, maybe enough time goes by, maybe Mr. Sanitizer and the baddie do figure it out under the unified rules. So another thing that's been discussed this week is the possibility of a future boxing fight between Jake Paul and Conor McGregor. Now this fight has been floated around before, but it's always felt like a joke. It doesn't feel that way anymore. Brendan Shaw weighed in. It was over the weekend. Jake Paul put out a challenge basically to Dana White. 
he put it directly to Dana. Now, it had to do with him, Jake Paul, fighting Conor McGregor, but he was challenging Dana to make the contest. Now, I do wish in hindsight that Jake would have stopped right there. But we all heard this, and Brendan spoke first, and Brendan said, I think Dana's going to have to consider that. And anything that comes up with Paul, Dana, Connor, you can throw it. It's in one ear and out the next. But there was something different about this, because Paul is a massive draw. Connor is a massive draw. Now, we got to get real clear, because once you start going down one road, you can never come back. If you're in Connor's spot, are you pursuing world championships, or... Are you pursuing big things? You're going to have a little bit of fun on the way. You have to pick one path. But Brennan waited and said, I think Dana's going to have to listen to us. Now, I had the same thought as Brendan. Something's different about this. And when I told you a moment ago, I wish that Jake would have made the challenge and laid out. I wish he would have stopped right there. Instead, he threw a few things on it to sweeten the deal. I mean, it was like, I'll never mess with the UFC again, and I'll, I'll donate my purse if I win or lose. I mean, there was a few different things that he put on there to where Dana can't just look at it and say, yes, he just can't. It's like, hold on, let's set all this other stuff that you're willing to come to the table with later, if negotiation backfire, and let's back up. Jake Paul will come to the UFC to fight Conor McGregor. What weight class? That's all that we really need to discuss at that point. Because that's the only thing that's going to influence Dana one way or the other. Are we doing this or aren't we? He's not going to care about all this other stuff. So there's no reason to put it out there. No reason to have that part of the story. Now, Dana subsequently goes on what I believe is called Impulsive, but it's Logan Paul's podcast. And Dana spoke about this. And he and Dana said, man, the Paul brothers are big. Jake Paul's 210, six foot one. Conor McGregor was a 145-pounder at one point. These guys are just too big. So Dana gets in a conversation with Logan, who is serving as a surrogate to his brother Jake. And Logan was very honest. Dana said, can he get to 170? That's the highest Conor's ever fought. Can your brother get to 170? And Logan said no. He said, but he can get to 175. So you're going to have to spot us five pounds because the conversation, it wasn't no by Dana. Everything that's ever come out of Paul's mouth has been no by Dana. This wasn't no. It wasn't yes, but it wasn't no. And Dana's now asking some of these questions. How low can he get? Now, Dana's either trying to book a fight and start in the negotiation, or he's looking to not do the fight, but proving his point of why. That's open for interpretation. We won't know what came out of Dana's mouth, but... When this was first put out there, Brendan thought Dana's going to have to listen. I am with Brendan thinking Dana's going to have to listen. And now you've got Dana, who appears to be listening. And it's a very interesting one. I predicted for you guys the night that Mike Tyson fought Roy Jones Jr. We're going to call that the inception of the entertainment boxing matches, the exhibitions. And I told you that night this is going to work. It's not sustainable, but it's got a year. It could have as much as a year and a half. It will run its course, and it'll be another 20 years, and somebody will drag it back out again. It's an old trick. Nobody reinvented the wheel here. But it's always a question of how long does this last? Why isn't Jake and boxing still the hottest topic out there? You could not talk about boxing. You could not go to a podcast. You could not hear anybody talk about boxing without talking about Jake, even if they wanted to try to dismiss him. And Jake got harder and harder to dismiss, but the topic was still there. I haven't heard a lot of it lately. Why? Is that experiment done? Have we reached that 12 to 18 month part that the smartest mind in the room, me, predicted for you? Or is Jake just looking to do something different? 
Because the last that Jake talked about, he said, I am going to set my own career on side just for a moment. And then I'm going to do, and he, he had something he was going to do. And I want to say it was even training that young lady who he's close with. I think it was getting behind and helping her career. But I know that Jake has an interest in getting into the promotional side of it. Now, that is, an, that, that is an education in and of itself. But if somebody's got some money to burn, you can go ahead and send yourself to school. But I'll, I'll just share with you, I don't mind the idea. I don't want any of the other stuff put on. I don't want the, my purse goes here, my purse goes here, or I'll, I'll never talk about UFC again. I don't, I don't need any of that because I don't want that to be what they're fighting for. There is rules to this game. And if you succeed, even if somebody knows it was through strategic reasons, you don't get punished for them. If you succeed, you get what you want. There is a way to play this game so that you get any fight you want, any time that you want it. Only very smart guys get it, but if you check all of those boxes, the decision makers don't go, I caught you, I see what you're doing. They'll go, you did it. Welcome to the loft. Here's your contract. And I think that Jake Paul is this close to having succeeded. There's always going to be a problem, though, with why isn't he still boxing? Somebody somewhere has the numbers. Somebody somewhere knows whether that works or doesn't. And the fact that it is not rebooked and it isn't moving forward, in fact, it's come to a screeching halt as opposed to the meteoric rise that it once had, is going to be a clue to the next guy looking to go in the pay-per-view business with you. Jake might have an answer. I could have it all wrong and it could be by choice. Maybe he was offered two, three fights. I don't know. I'm sharing for you when you're calculated and tactical like Jake is, he needs to be able to answer that question too. When somebody's sitting around looking left and right and going, okay, you're a pay-per-view star. That's a totally different animal. You do not have to be a world champion to be a pay-per-view star. You do not have to be a number one contender to be a pay-per-view star. Our biggest stars, Conor McGregor, George Monsvall, and anybody with the last name of Diaz only got one thing in common, which is they did not win their last fight. They didn't even win the one before that. They're our biggest stars. They're the ones that you want, not the guy with the shiny trinket, the beautiful record, or the gold belt. A lot of times they go together, but if they don't, you can only choose one. Take the star. Jake and Connor works, guys. That, that fight works for me. And you know what else? Jake's not an easy night out. That's why that fight didn't work two years ago when Jake first started saying it. This is why you now have got Dana and Brendan and, and, and Chael in a little bit of a different discussion here. Turns out Paul is a badass. And he is big, and that does change things. And he was a, a high school wrestler in a damn hard state of Ohio. There's a lot of boxes that get checked here. And he is taking a massive risk that he's willing to go out and do and even part with his own money. Not to mention reputation, not to mention ego. He's not denying he's bigger. Yes, I'm bigger. This guy's got a bunch of experience. I got a few pounds. I think that my pounds make up for the deficit in experience, and I'm willing to walk in front of the world and test that theory. Okay, I, I'm in. That works for me. It does. It works. Now, the first to complain that the Nevada State Athletic Commission licensed a 50-0 professional named Floyd Mayweather against a 0-0 amateur named Conor McGregor. I was the first to bring that to your attention. Now we're going to have to ask them to do the same thing. Floyd had like six world belts and Conor never put on a, a pair of gloves. Conor's got three world belts. But Jake isn't completely without defense. Jake's been in there with two world champions. Beat them both. Then you bring the wrestling into it. We've all seen the dedication. We can all see how hard he could work. It's, it's not the hardest story to tell. Jake needs to help. He needs to get in front of this thing. He needs to explain 
why he isn't booked and pursuing boxing if his numbers are what we believe that they were. But he can solve that. Jake can solve a lot of problems. Jake's a smart guy. Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor in the UFC. Wow. That's normally something I would laugh at. That is something I would dismiss. You now have my attention. Speaking of another boxing fight that's been talked about recently, Kamara Usman has been calling out Canelo Alvarez. Dana White spoke about it this week, and I'll tell you what he said after this word from today's presenting sponsor. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code CHAIL this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older restrictions apply. See episode notes for details. Kamara Usman versus Canelo Alvarez. It's a discussion that only started about three weeks ago, but it's not going away. And it's got to the point where Ali, the great manager of Kamara Usman, said Kamara is going to defend his welterweight championship in the summer, but then he's going to go and fight Canelo with the blessing of Dana White. Eddie Hearn got asked about this. Eddie Hearn said, I'll do the fight. The best MMA fighter in the world versus the best boxer, I'll do the fight. Dana White got asked about it, said, I hate the fight. Said nothing about that makes any sense. Kamar Usman is not a boxer. Canelo Alvarez is the best boxer of his generation. I hate everything about it. But this is still where we're at. Now, guys, you can't blame anybody for wanting to go and test their skills. Like, there's something cool. Kamara Usman does not become a national wrestling champion and a world MMA champion unless he had this kind of a mindset where he constantly wants to challenge himself. He wants to put himself in bad situations and find a way to overcome. That is inside of Kamara Usman. We know that for sure. And we don't want to take that away because look at how well it served him. National honors to world honors, right? Okay. At the same time, why is that in there? Why would you want to become really good at something and use that as a way to go and do something else that you're not as good at? And by the way, we don't know if you're good at all. I would assume Kamar Usman, since he could wrestle and then he could go fight, that he could he could take that same thing and, and, and move it down to the hands only. I would assume he would do really well. What's an assumption worth? Against the greatest guy in the world, that's who we're going to test him with? 
And what are we doing that for? So the Kamara can go out there and compete and lose, but it's okay because this isn't what he did. Oh, and by the way, he's got a whole jackpot full of money. What if he wins? What do we do then? He never comes back to MMA. He goes, does a rematch with Canelo, something along these lines. I'm just saying, why would we do that? I don't know. And I got some of that inside of me too. Just not to the extent of Kamara, which is why I didn't have a world championship. It's something very special in him. I could only look at myself. If I was in that situation, I would take much more of a Hulk Hogan approach. So many fighters want to work hard and sacrifice and have this wonderful skill and then go put it somewhere else that isn't where it lies. I mean, guys, don't forget, you're a brand, you're a business. I hear fighters talk like this. It actually drives me crazy when they do because they, they take it in areas that it doesn't go. But if you want to look at just a fundamental, what does a business do? A successful business will produce something and then go sell it at the marketplace. They will then find a way to duplicate that over and over again. They'll make as many of these things and they'll take it to the marketplace as many times as they can to up the return on their investment. That's a successful business. So now you have a successful business that is known as the MMA fighter, in this case, Kamara Usman, who would like to take what it is he, he grew, but then take it somewhere else and do something different completely. That doesn't make any level of sense. Now, a reason a moment ago, I told you I would go the Hulk Hogan route. One thing that Hulk Hogan did, Hulk Hogan is the greatest wrestler ever. And many people have said Hulk Hogan doesn't know the difference between a wristwatch and a wrist lock. But he made more money. Whoever makes the most money is the best. That's how you look at Hulk Hogan. However, while Hulk made a ton of money through actual putting leg drops and a boot to somebody's face and tearing the shirt off, he used that and parlayed that over to success in TV. If I was Kamar Usman, if I was handsome like Kamar Usman, if everybody liked me the way they like Kamar Usman, if I could beat everybody in my field the way Kamar Usman has, Dana White calls it he's lapping people, going around a second time, beating, cleaning out the field a second time over, and I worked for WME, my phone call would not be to Eddie Hearn. My phone call would be to Ari Emanuel. I, hey, you want to go play a boxer? Great. Ari, give me a script and let me go play a boxer. Why do I want to really do it? Billy Crystal did this, guys. Billy Crystal wanted to be a baseball player. Billy Crystal doesn't have the athleticism of my pinky, but he went and got a script and played a New York Yankee. He got to have that same moment, hear the same roar of the crowd. They wouldn't have cared if he hit the bat. They didn't actually care about him. They don't care if they're paid as extras and they get $75 for the day. They're still going to throw up the same fake applause and they're going to they're going to give an egomaniac elitist his little dream moment. What did Billy Crystal do wrong? Sounds to me like Billy Crystal figured it out. Same thing that Hulk Hogan did. Same thing that Chael P would do if I was in Kamara's shoes. I'm not going to go over here and box this guy. I don't know anything about boxing. I'm going to go beat him for In one element, you think my ego is on the line? think anybody in the world thinks that Canelo Alvarez could handle himself with Kamar Usman if they throw them both into an alley and one's going to walk out? Of course not. Last thing that Canelo Alvarez's mother would say to him as she kissed him on the cheek with a tear rolling down her eye is goodbye, son. There's no ego involved there. And also just, I see these people that work within the UFC and, and sometimes I feel as though they forget what opportunities can be created. I feel they're looking for the wrong opportunities. Play the boxer is a lot more fun than being the boxer. Ronda Rousey even said this. Ronda Rousey even said the path that she went on and the heartache that she went through was worth it if it landed her in the WWE. Those are fake applause. Those are fake cheers. Those people don't know her. They don't actually care. 
the way that match is going to go was determined in the back. It's not real, but it sure made her feel good. It made her feel good to the point that she said, I'll put on my tights and travel all over the country just to hear an applause from somebody, even if they don't actually care about me. Makes them feel good. I've had that same experience in my brief foray in professional wrestling. It's very fun. I talked to Paige Van Zandt and Austin Vanderford because they're participating in AEW. Austin's never lost a fight. He's a main eventer with a world title fight coming up. He told me there's, he's never had more fun than what they were doing over there, just having a good time. And I do feel if somebody is this close to the greatest decision maker in Hollywood, that they would use some of that to get over there, not to go into a different sport. I mean, where does that end? Maybe joining the bobsled team, you're trying out for uh, putting a cricket crew together. I mean, where does that end? If it's just famous people doing famous stuff, okay. That, like, that recipe does work. I just get a little bit confused why it's always us going to them. I don't get it. I don't love it. I do think that with what Logan Paul showed us against Floyd Mayweather, size does matter. I do think Kamar Usman going to come into that fight about 175 pounds. Canelo closer to 160 pounds. Kamaru can go with him. Kamaru can go with him. He could. Kamaru could give him some problems. Why? Why are we doing that? You got a business. You take that to the marketplace and then you duplicate that as many times as you can. That's how you make money in business. It's very straightforward. It's very simple. That's my thought. So when you think of Kamara Usman, you can't help but think of Colby Covington, who called out Dustin Poirier after defeating George Masvidal at UFC 272. Does Poirier Covington need to happen? So you guys all know Colby went after Dustin very hard. But he went after Masvidal equally as hard, and he went after Adesanya equally as hard in the same media frame. So it was kind of divided up. Like, you, you really couldn't tell just by what came out of Colby's mouth who he wanted the most. He was spreading that around, throwing a little Kamara Usman's way. I want to say Nate Diaz got a mention here or there. But post-fight, Colby's gotten pretty direct. It's Poirier. Now, I have my own personal thoughts on that, which is, that's a hard fight. <laughs> Let me just start with that. I lean towards a school of no, that fight doesn't need to happen for a couple of reasons. First off, Dustin was a 45 pounder who went to 55. So now we're asking him to leave and cover the spread of the other division with the baddest dude on the planet, not named Kamar Usman. Like that's a tall order for anybody. The other side of that is if Dustin was to take that fight and he's going to show up, he's going to show up the same as he does for every other fight, which is ready to fight. Those two guys are going to bludgeon each other. And some of you guys are going to love that. You're going, yeah, that's that's exactly what we want to see in there. I get that side of it, but there's some fights where you know before that fight, two guys are coming out different. You do not get better in this sport. It is the only sport I've ever seen where the more times you do it, you don't get better. You want to go grab a couple of kids just at random. You're going to have them play a game of soccer. You're going to turn to this kid and say, how many years have you played? And he says, two years. And you're going to turn to this kid and say, how many years have you played? And he says, eight years. And boom, you're going to know who your starter is. And you're going to be right a hundred percent of the time. Except in this sport. You do not get better by doing this. You leave a piece of yourself out there. Now, there's a tipping point and there's exceptions, sure. 
But that's the kind of fight, that's the kind of 15 minutes, which by today's standard, they'll probably find a way to rig it and make it 25 minutes. That's the kind of 25 minutes where you come out different. One of you is going to win and one of you isn't. That's the same as the rule always is. You for sure both are taking something off of your careers. Is it a fight? Is it five fights? Is it a year? Is it three years? It's one of those. It's going to be brutal. Now, again, I'm probably talking you guys into seeing it now. You, you, you probably like that even more. I don't know how big of an idea that truly is, though, only because of what I'm saying about Dustin and the weight. If Dustin had tested out 170 a couple of times, if Dustin even made it official, he's coming to 170. He's fair game. The Sharks are going to come out of the water. The smart guys are going to know I can get attracted to Dustin Poirier. I can have a really big fight. And if Colby's the first of that party, more power to chaos. I'm just sharing with you that that is not the point that we're at. Dustin Poirier has not made it clear he's going to 170. If Dustin does make it clear within just his own mind that he's going to 70, he'll probably want to go right after Colby. You beat Colby, you're fighting for a world championship. I can't see a scenario around that. Particularly if your name is Dustin Poirier in a feature match, and particularly if your name's Dustin Poirier and you used to be the champion of the world already. You're one big win away, boom, that would be it. But that's not where Dustin's at. He's been a little bit reluctant. Dustin has been so reluctant that he even turned the power over to you guys about a month ago. He says, what do you want to see me do? I could do 70. He didn't make it seem like he really wanted to. He knows how well he can do at 55 because he's already done it. King of the mountain. But does he want to make that weight cut? They're all very fair things. What are the options? What's this one look like? Was it, same as any other tourist look, look, looking for where they're going to take a trip to. He's starting to weigh the goods and the bads. But until Dustin commits to that weight class, I think he's off limits. I think he's off limits. And I don't know how well-served Colby is to continue firing these bullets. I won't know. It'll be one of those things, hindsight. You're only going to get away with insulting Dustin so long. And if that is the fight that Colby is dead set on, and he's dead set on this insult tour, okay. The other side of the coin is I think that personal, I'm this personally speaking, I think the movement to make Colby a middleweight contender is gaining some ground. ESPN covered it through social media, just by example. The Schmo covered it. John Morgan covered it. Errol Hawani covered it. I'm talking about it. Brendan Schaub weighed in on it. I mean, a lot of people are talking, and I, I understand that some were dismissive, but that conversation is very real, and it hasn't got to Izzy yet. Izzy's going to be the ultimate one that has to sign off on that. Nobody has more ability to steer their own career than Adesanya. But Adesanya's in a very tricky spot where he can't really speak up. This just got tested the previous week as it had to do with Chamayev. And Izzy said, look, he's good. He's on his run. I'll worry about him when I have to worry about him. But right now, he's not a number one contender. Right now, he's not even in my weight class. Okay, great. But that's going to apply to anybody. Izzy wasn't specializing Chamayev. That's the policy for anybody. If you're not in the weight class, if you're not a top contender, if you're not about to be next, you're not going to get served through the champ's lips. I get that. I just think it's great in some steam. And wherever that goes, even if we're in a conversation of, is Colby going to go and fight Adesanya or is Colby going to go and fight Dustin Poirier? We're in a pretty damn good spot here, guys. I mean, it's a pretty interesting position that we're in. And it also has a lot to do with Nate Diaz. If you're Dustin and you've got two different options, you're in the driver's seat now. 
Dustin has made it very clear that he wants Nate Diaz. Nate has made it very clear that he wants Dustin. But then you, before you go and start uh, starting to book these things, you've also got the Irishman still out there who wants a piece of Nate and who wants a piece of Dustin. When's he going to be back? See, see where this gets tough? And I really do think if anybody's handling this situation, and I think everybody's doing the right thing, Colby doesn't open his mouth unless it's got a purpose. Adesanya looks like he's already got his hands full. Dustin's sitting around waiting. Nate is ready to go. What's Connor doing? It's, it's one of these spots where everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. But right now, if you are Dustin Poirier and you're the one with multiple options, the right thing to do is keep your mouth shut, sit back, and see how it plays out. Dustin Poirier is being called out. I'm telling you guys, that's only going to last for so long. And me personally, I don't want to see the fight. I don't. That would change. They signed out agreements. Everybody's got free will. I'll change. I'll be there. But that is the kind of brutality. What those two guys would go and do to each other for 15 to 25 minutes, is it worth it? Is it worth it for our entertainment? Is it worth it for their personal beef? Time will tell. To close out today's show, let's turn our attention back to UFC London. I'll talk about Dan Hooker at Featherweight in a few minutes, but before that, let's talk about Patty the Batty and some criticisms he's been receiving lately. Patty the Batty is being given easy opponents. Is that fair? Now, that is not a statement by me. That is a narrative that's going around. Certainly, you guys will have heard it. There was even comparisons to Patty the Batty and Sugar Sean O'Malley. I fully disagree with that. I don't know one of those guys that Sean O'Malley fought that you think's an easy opponent, and I don't know a person out there that would walk up to that person and tell him you're an easy opponent. So I don't know that I believe that. I am aware of the phenomenon, though. Now, Patty the Batty is very different than Sean O'Malley. Another reason I don't like the comparison is Sean O'Malley has said to anyone willing to listen, I will fight anybody, any of you. I can't get on the docket with a top five guy, the top three guys, the top 10 guys. That's very different. Patty the Batty said, I won't sign off to fight a top 10 guy or a top three guy. Very different. Patty the Batty, if you guys haven't heard this, he's been very clear. Pat Patty's very straight. I really do like that about him. But he told us, I'm not paid enough to fight these hard guys. I'm going to continue to fight unhard guys. Now, whether that's marketing, whether that's reality, or Patty's playing a game. Either way, Patty is turning down fights. Truck Gordon, just by example, thought he had this fight. Truck Gordon went to bed believing that he had this fight. Patty said no, and then Patty told the media, Gordon's too hard. I'm not going to fight somebody at home in my second fight for this purse that's as hard as Gordon. Patty put him over. So it's real hard to get mad at Patty. Now, is it right? That's what we're here to discuss. It gets a little bit complicated, guys. It does. You have an obligation as a fighter. You get a piece of what you bring in, same as absolutely every company out there. Generally speaking, right, if I'm painting with, with a broad stroke here, everybody needs two. Two is always better than one. Go and find yourself in a partner. We're going to call them an opponent, but you guys are doing business together tonight. Let's see what you can create. That's what it is. Patty the Batty is in a rare category where it doesn't matter who that opponent is. 
People find Patty interesting. People are along the journey with Patty for Patty. So it's a very different spot. He is expected to get X amount of media. He was expected to drum up X amount of interest. He's expected to get X amount of eyeballs. X amount of butts in the seat when you're in his home country. He's expected to do that. Patty fulfilled. He didn't need an opponent. Very rare. That might create a jealousy, but that's still the answer. Patty had certain expectations put on him, and he fulfilled that without the use of a partner. It's rare. It's a great deal if you can get it. Now, I did think when Patty first came out and said, I'm not fighting these hard guys, continue to give me unimpressive people. Dangerous game. Dangerous game only because an easy, unhard guy in the UFC, this is an oxymoron. I've yet to meet one. I sure as hell never competed with one, but I've also yet to meet that guy. They're all really good. And it always makes you go back to Conor McGregor's rise when Conor was openly and admittedly being carried against Dennis Seaver, against Max Holloway, against Dustin Poirier, <laughs> against Chad Mendes, right? It turned into be murderer's row, which is always the problem. Perception and reality. Nothing is more glaringly obvious of perception and reality than MMA. You want to go right now to Ring Magazine and go look up the top 10 boxers in the world? It's the top 10 most popular boxers in the world. What is the name I know the most? Good, write him as number one. What's the name I hear second most? Good, write him as number two. Perception being reality. In the UFC, we got some straight up hammers all over the place, but they haven't been on television yet, or they haven't captivated the media yet, or they haven't had that one great performance yet. It happens all the time. It's basically the genesis of the Ultimate Fighter. Every Ultimate Fighter from day one which ended up producing world champions, by the way, from day one until now is this group that would go into the category of unknown, not as good. And season after season after season, one of them rises up to at least contend for a championship, and many of them go on to win the world championship. So it's a tough game. And when Patty plays that, I thought that he'd be met with resistance, but he would also be met with resistance by his own team going, Patty, you need to take these guys just as serious. The rules are the same regardless of who the opponent is. He got two arms and two legs. He didn't get to bring a bat. This is unarmed combat. Anything goes. It's one of those things where there really is no easy route. But if you do want to look deeper into it, be more introspective and say, is it right? Is it fair? Well, yes, it is. My father was a plumber and he was fast. He, everybody that ever worked with my dad will tell how fast he was. It takes two and a half days to plumb a house. Okay, it's called roughing in right at the foundation, but it takes two and a half days to do. My father could do it in one day because he was so quick. And when he would come back and that job would be done, his boss, John Eggie was his name, would give my father the next two days off and he'd pay him. Now, for any of the other plumbers to get paid for, for two days, they'd have to come in there and bust their back eight hours a day, right? None of them were mad when my dad did it because they understood my dad did what would take the rest of them three days. He did it one day. Yes, of course he gets two days off that are paid. Fair game. But it was also a motivation. It was an incentive. Helped my father be even quicker. He liked that. He liked that he was known for that. He liked that he got some time off so he could take my mother out to lunch. Just sharing with you, in all walks of life, this is true. If you do a better job, the rules are going to change for you. If you can fulfill your end of the bargain in a way that's different than the traditional bargain, fair game. Patty the Batty's done his part. Patty the Batty's got attention. He's got the media. 
He made the rounds. He sold the tickets. And come Saturday, people are going to tune in for him. So if he wants to take a little bit of a different path, as long as he's upholding his end of the bargain, I say it's fair game. I want the Dan Hooker experiment to work so bad. So badly, I want everything to go Hooker's way. Now, back up on Hooker. This is the number five guy in the world at 155 pounds. This is the same guy who main evented shows opposite Paul Felder. He main evented shows opposite Dustin Poirier. This is a straight up hammer. This is a threat to the entire division. I think he was one win away from fighting a world championship. I do think Dan Hooker... Had he got the jump on Michael Chandler, would have been for a world championship. But I have for sure proven my point. This is an awesome fighter. Co-main event to Izzy versus Whitaker, which holds to this day the live gate record in history of our industry of 57,000. I mean, this is a very meaningful guy. He's going to change weight class. I remember as soon as I heard that going, yes, good. I want him at 170. That's great. Hooker's leaving the weight class. He's going up to 170. He's got the length. He's Now he's going to have the speed. Life's going to be better. He's going to be more comfortable. I'm starting to put the pairings together. I'm seeing Hooker in there with Nick Diaz. I'm seeing him in there with Nate Diaz. I'm getting this whole thing figured out. He went down a weight class. This bitch went to 145. He left his weight class. He went down. How does Dan Hooker make 145? That is impossible. There's no fat on the bone to start with with this guy. He's going to go find 10 pounds later in life? Any of you find losing weight easier as you get older? No, of course not. It's going to change his physiology. It's going to change his training. Where it was very interesting to me as a Dan Hooker fan is Hooker's in the room with Volkanovsky. Now, I'm not one of those guys who getting trying to get two friends to fight. What I'm speaking to is I was in Hooker's situation when I was at Team Quest. I got Evan Tanner as the champion of the world. I got Dan Henderson standing right there is the pride champion of two different weight classes. We got Randy Couture as the champion of the world. We got Matt Lindland's ranked number one. Didn't have the belt, but had the number one ranking. You find out real quick. In one day of practice, you know where you stand. So Hooker knows whatever that measuring stick is, he at least knows where he stands at 145 pounds, and he chose this class. Now, is it the right move? Well, that's not for us to say. Hooker has to say, and Hooker did. Hooker said, my coaches did not love the idea of me going down to 145. We went to the PI, we did a bunch of tests to make sure it was safe. I just personally feel I am my most competitive when I weigh 145 pounds. Okay, there's our answer. But it's very relevant that we have that. It's very relevant, if that is true, that introspectively, Hooker is being accurate with himself. He can tell us whatever he wants, as long as he's being accurate with himself, because I'm a firm believer, everybody has a number. It is very rare in life that that will ever be tested. How many things can you do on God's green earth? How many things can you do where you have to weigh in before you're allowed to go do it, right? I mean, just right there limits the field, where nobody's going to know what their number is. Then once you do that, how many times do you change where that is? Not much. Is it up? Is it down? Is it stay right here? How do, you, how do you know? It's something you have to do an experiment with. I've shared this with you guys as it pertains to Daniel Cormier. I used to work out with Daniel Cormier all the time at 205 pounds. I grabbed a hold of him once when he was at heavyweight. It was a different guy. That was his number. 
he found his number, that 250, that 245. That's just where the big bear does his best work, just by example. I think Colby Covington would be a real problem at 185 pounds, but I don't know that. I don't know it till we see it. John Jones, very aware that he has a number. Now, he arbitrarily picked his to be 240 pounds. So I'm going to go heavyweight. This is what I need to do. And what John studied, if it was other successful guys in the division and that was just their average weight class, or if he just personally thought it for himself or it's something that his brothers and his team came to a conclusion of, we don't know, but John at least does satisfy my premise here, which is that everybody has a number and he's trying to guess his. He won't know until he actually gets there, but I want it to work out for Hooker. A guy that did as hard of work as successfully as he did it later in life willing to make this sacrifice when his own teammate is the best in all the land. So he knows, and he's telling us it's 145. I want it to be. I want it to be 145. And I'm not even focused on the outcome. I'm focused on the performance. When I watch Hooker this weekend, I'm not going to be looking for the outcome. I think you, I think I've made it clear where I stand, who I'm who I'm cheering for. But I do want to see that he can perform. I do want to see that his feet move just as well, that his hands are just as fast, that his basics of chin down, shoulders turned. I want to make sure that all those things are being followed, that he can perform, because I don't expect this to be his best performance. It never is. Your first time somewhere, it could be a new organization or a new weight class. Your first time somewhere is never your best. You can still get the outcome that you desired. You can still get victory, but you'll learn things from that moment. And how he's sparring and how he's feeling down at 145 is going to be different from how is he actually going to move reactive and proactive once he gets there. So there, there's a lot on this. I mean, Hooker is going to spring right to the top of the charts with a win. With two wins, he's going to be right into the talks of a title fight. Let's see how he does. Perhaps for the hangman, 145 is his number. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want more from me, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. So be sure to give me a follow over there, Sonnen CH, if you haven't already. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I'll be back next Wednesday to talk all about them. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>